Welcome to the New Hope Roanoke podcast that follows our live weekend teachings. We are a church bringing hope to the Roanoke Valley. So please take a moment to subscribe or follow this podcast at the end of the message. And for more information, go to newhoperoanoke.com.
Welcome to Church Online. We are New Hope Christian Church, and we're so happy that you're here with us. We are going to sing together, to take communion and offering, and to hear from God's Word. As the church, we are gathered together, but we are also the church scattered at this time. And in those places, we are living out the call and the cause of Jesus Christ. And we're happy that you've joined us for this. So if you would, take a picture of you all worshiping together, and then either tag New Hope or hashtag New Hope Roanoke so that we can capture those photos, compile them, and then share all of us celebrating this morning together. You'll notice on your screen there, if you're watching live with us, there's an option for the connection card in the top right. There's also a place where you can give, uh, you can see past sermons, and you can connect with us as a staff. Our pastoral team is ready and available. We'd love to chat with you in the sidebar. We can even go into a private chat and pray for you personally. Throughout this whole service, we're available. We are connecting with one another, and we are so excited to see God move in our midst here this morning. We look forward to worshiping with you. This is unfailing love. 
John chapter 4 verse 9 says this that this is how God showed his love among us that he sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him we invite you to continue worshiping with us this morning as we sing this song that declares that the death of Jesus on that cross actually gives us life sing this with us
My name is Connor, and I'm the student minister. My name's Michaela, and I'm the children's minister here at New Hope. And we really miss hanging out with your kids and students here at New Hope. Yes, kiddos, if you're watching, hello. We miss you so much. Um, we're so thankful for this time that you guys get to have uh, to worship together at home as a family. As we move into a time of communion, if you haven't already, go ahead and grab your bread and your juice. And parents, take advantage of this opportunity to teach your kids about communion, what it means for them, what it means about Jesus. Communion is really simple. It's about this guy named Jesus who came to the earth. He lived a perfect life, and he went to the cross for you and, and for us because he loves us. And so communion is a simple moment to remember his sacrifice. The juice represents his blood that was poured out for us, and the cracker or bread represents his body that was broken for us. So now in this moment, take a few minutes and let's remember what Jesus did for us.
Would you pray with me? Dear God, thank you so much for your son Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross. God, we thank you for the forgiveness of our sins and for the relationship that we get to have with you. God, I pray that we would take this time to pause and reflect on what the sacrifice of Jesus means for us, but that we would also take advantage of the opportunity to give back even just a little bit um, through offering and through our tithes um, and just in response to what you've done for us. God, we thank you for everything you've given us, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. In this season at New Hope, there are three ways that you can give. The first way is you can simply mail in a check to the office, and we'll collect it that way. Second is you can click the Give tab at the top right, put in your information, and give that way. And the third is you can text to give. This is something that we've been doing for a few weeks, and if you want to do that and want to know more information, check out this video. Hey there, Justin here, and I wanted to show you one of the easiest ways for you to give to your church. All you got to do, send a text message. Here, I'll show you how I set it up. All I need to do is text an amount to 84321, and a link will be sent back to me. I'll tap on that link, select my church, add an email address for the receipt, enter in my payment information, and that's it. From now on, when I want to give, I just grab my phone and text an amount. Alright, let's donate $10 now. And that's it. Oh! Oh, I added an extra zero. Yeah, I'm gonna need to fix that. Um, luckily I can. Since it's been less than 30 minutes, I just send the word refund and that last donation will be refunded. Whew. <laughs> I'm gonna try it again. And there we go. And that, my friends, is how you can give with a text message. Happy giving. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining us. We are happy to be worshiping together, whether you are in your living room or kitchen on your mobile device. We're so thankful that you've joined us. For our teaching today, we're going to be in 1 John chapter 4, so if you have a Bible, you can open that or on the Bible app. My name's Seth. I'm the lead pastor on staff here at New Hope, and this is Jason Summy, our associate. Hey, good morning, New Hope. So glad to be with you this morning. We have been in a series called Light and Love, and we're going through the book of 1 John. John, he was one of the first followers of Jesus, and he wants to emphasize two different things about God, that God is light and that God is love. And both of those are so very important for us today. They have significance for how we live in light of who God is. And so we have studied the first half of the book where John emphasizes that God is light. And really in chapter 4, he makes this full transition into this idea that God is love. And we want to study that and learn what it means for us today, especially in light of what's going on in the world around us, causing us to be online together. And we have called John the Apostle of Love. That's one of the nicknames that's been given to him, and it's because he talked so much about love. In this section of Scripture, we're going to see 27 different times that in 15 different verses, 27 times he references this idea of love. In fact, Jason came across a great story about this apostle, the writer, John. Uh, would you share that with us? Yeah. So there's a story that is attributed back to John when he was 
towards the end of his ministry, uh, talking about how he's too old to be able to carry himself and walk. His voice is very feeble and frail. He's no longer able to preach. And when he was invited into the congregations there in Ephesus to speak, uh, it talks about how his disciples would actually carry him in, set him in front of the congregation, and they would just say, hey, John, give us a word for today. And John's word always was this, dear children, love one another. And the story goes on to say that after uh, time and time again of John saying this, finally one of the churches got a little tired of hearing this, and they said, John, why do you keep telling us? Why is this the one thing you want us to know? And he said, because if this is the one command of Jesus we follow, then that's all that matters. And I think what's so impressive about this quote and what John's legacy is, is he was always trying to move us back from the complex, back to the simple. He was trying to get us all the way back to the basics of what Jesus's ministry was, what the heart of his entire ministry was about, which was love, which is what we find really here in the book of 1 John. Yeah, and in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, that's actually where we pick up. Uh, John, he wants to teach us about the love of God and the love that we should have for one another. And there he writes, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we have loved God but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. We know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. What we see clearly in this passage is that, that God is love, so therefore our response must be love. We have to love God and love one another. Another way to say that is that we need to love one another because of God's love for us. So what I want us to focus on in this text really is just a couple of key words that are found there at the end of verse 8 where it says, God is love. That phrase, God is, is rather unique because as I have uh, had the opportunity to have spiritual conversations with people, not just inside the church, but people who are on the fringes with Jesus and their faith walk with Him. I've heard this phrase, God is, come up a lot. And typically when it comes up, it's not used in a positive light. Typically, I find it used in a negative light. People will say, God is mean, or God is unjust, or God is... There's just always something negative. In fact, maybe you have had that conversation with somebody as well, where they said, God is, you know, fill in the blank. In fact, what I would like you guys to do in the living room with the people around you is just fill in one of those blanks that you have heard at some point. God is blank. And in a few seconds, we'll come back together again.
So as John uses this phrase, God is, to try to describe who God really is, what he's doing is is he's giving us these attributes of who God is. He's given us several as we've walked through this letter. Uh, One of the most notables is God is light. And he's trying to take our world and he's trying to describe something that is otherworldly. He's trying to put words to something that our minds are just almost incapable of conceiving. He's trying to give meaning to something that is beyond us. Simply put, it's like if I was to try to describe Seth to somebody who has never met Seth, I would use adjectives. I would say Seth is funny, or Seth has great hair, or Seth is a good communicator. I would describe Seth to try to help somebody understand who he is. And so far, John has helped us understand God through the lens of light. And now here in chapter 4, he's trying to get us to understand God through the lens of love. And as we begin to look at God in this light, this attribute of love, it opens up an entire world of implications if God really is the embodiment of love. One of the first things we have to look at is how God interacts with himself. You think about the way he interacts with the himself within Father, Holy Spirit, Son, the Trinity, and to think about everything they do within one, their self is always led with love. It is this perfect containment of love in and of itself. And then you begin pushing the implications even farther to how God relates to his creation. And we think about as God created in Genesis chapter 1, how everything was put in place out of and through love. It means that every sun, moon, star, galaxy, tree, continent, platypus was all put together in and through love. It was all created through this absolute, pure work and labor of love. I mean, really the only way I can think of describing the way God would have looked at and gone through creation is is like a man who is restoring an old car. And as he looks at it as it's complete, there's just this pure joy that is in his face, that is in his being. You think of it like uh, a person who finishes mowing their grass and they stand there after it's all said and done, and they look at it with this exhilaration because it is this labor of love. Or as you pick that first tomato out of the garden, you've done it all not because the work, not because of what was coming, but you did it because you just simply enjoyed it. There was, there was love in and through everything that you did. And this is the way God created everything. It's the way he relates to his creation. It's just this this idea that he has led with love in absolutely everything he did. And it's interesting as you come to the completion of each day, and the writer there in Genesis says it's good. It's this word, Hebrew word, tob, that means that there's pleasure in it. It's joy-filled. It brings something to the creator. But what's most interesting about this idea, this attribute of God is love, isn't just how he relates to himself or his creation, but really has to do with how he relates to us. It has to do with the fact that when he created each and every one of us, we were created, we were knit together, as the psalmist says, in our mother's womb with love from God. It means that every fiber of our being is enamored with the love of God in it. Every person in this world, regardless of who they are, regardless of what they have done in their life, everything about them 
is rolled up and because of the love of God. In fact, when you get to the end of the creation account, when God creates humanity, he actually adds a qualifier to that word tov. That means that you and I are actually exceptionally pleasing to God. When he looks at you and I, it's not just, okay, I love this person, or I like this person. It's not, okay, this person is good enough for me. It's when God looks at us, when he looks at humanity, when he looks at his children, he looks at us and we are exceptionally pleasing to our Father in heaven. We are loved so much more than we could ever know because of the love that is our God. And that's what John's really talking about here in this section. Yeah, I love that because we see so clearly in Jesus, God's full revelation of himself, we see the love of God in Jesus and his sacrifice. And honestly, given that backdrop, given that context that Jason just gave, we should not be surprised at all that Jesus left the right hand of God in heaven, that he left the riches that were there for him, that he left presence in continual communion with the Father to become human like us so that he could carry our sins, so that he could conquer sin and death, so that in Jesus we could be made right with God once again. Jesus became human so that he could lead us back to our loving Heavenly Father. And that's exactly what John was talking about here in this passage. And so our response can only be to love God in return. Our response has to be to love one another because God first loved us and God loves every other human being that we will ever interact with. He loves his creation, created in his image, and he wants a right relationship with you and with me. That's part of what 1 John is all about, that we can have fellowship with God and with one another. And it's based and rooted in God's love for us. So as we love one another, John wants to motivate us. In those verses we read, he tells us you should be inspired to love one another because first of God's love for you in Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. Then he gives us a second reason. You should also be inspired to love because of God's spirit that's in you. God himself, when you receive his grace, when you receive his forgiveness, when you become a Christ follower, God's spirit fills you. It's a gift, a free gift, like salvation. And then third, the inspiration is God's work in our lives. That spirit of God begins to work in us so that we become more and more like Jesus and we look less and less like our old self and the, the humanity and the worldliness and the sin that existed in us. The rebellion in our heart melts away because we have been loved by God and now we experience his spirit in us. And one of the fruit, the lead fruit of the spirit is love. And as that grows and develops in our life, we love God in return, and we love one another. That's what God does for us. That's what God does through us. And that really sets us up for what he wants to talk about in this next section. Because John wants to tell us that when we have that kind of love, there is actually no need in this life to have any fear. What a timely message 
for us today as the world's anxiety increases, as we continue to be afraid and uncertain about what these days and the future holds. John, he wants to speak into that part of our lives. And here's what he says in 1 John chapter 4, verses 17 and following. Jason's going to read that for us. Yeah, let's read this. John says this. This is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. So this text reminds me of a story from back when I was, I think, a middle school student. Uh, My family had just moved into our first brand new house, and my dad, for the very first time, had his own man garage. Uh, Seth, you know what that's like, getting your first garage for the very first time, and he was stoked about it. And before we even had all of the boxes uh, unpacked and we're in our home, he had already ordered a brand new garage door for this garage. And I remember helping him one day put all the panels in and set the garage door up. Uh, we were installing the overhead garage door opener, and it was time for him to get ready for work and to go off for the day. And I specifically remember he said, Jason, it's not set up. Don't mess with the garage door today. Uh, we'll fix it. We'll be ready to go when I get back home. And so my dad left for work. We were going on with our day. We got bored. We wanted to get our uh, bikes or toys or whatever out from the garage. And I had seen my dad a couple of different times raise the garage door. And I thought, you know what? I I can do this as well. Little did I know he had the garage door opener already connected. He didn't disconnect it. So as soon as I began to raise that garage door on my own, the bar caught and it ripped open uh, one of the panels and, and it bent the shaft on the garage door opener. And I remember in that moment specifically, as the heat on my neck rose to the top of my head thinking, oh no. And I was terrified in that moment. I knew that when my dad got home, I was in for it because I had just ruined his garage and his brand new garage door. I was was terrified in that moment, Seth. Yeah, have you been there before? I know I have. We experience these moments in our lives where we don't know what's coming in the future or we've done something that's wrong and we're absolutely terrified. We're gripped by fear. We're afraid because we don't know what the future holds. Well, this passage of scripture speaks to that, that we do not need to be afraid. In fact, John says that perfect love drives out, casts out all fear. Could you imagine being in that place where you are so loved You are in a place and a space that's so full of love that no matter what, you do not need to fear. Well, that's what God offers us. In his love and in our love for him and one another, we experience that kind of fulfillment, that kind of satisfaction. There is no longer any need to fear because perfect love casts it all out. There is no more room for fear. This word perfect is interesting. In the Greek language, it's the word teleos, and it means whole, mature, or complete. Uh, The translation here, of course, is perfect. 
But we're, we're able to also say that there is a mature love. There is a complete love. And in that completion of love, where we receive God's love and we love him in return, where we love one another as God loves them, there's this wholeness, there's this completeness to that kind of love. It's a mature love. And we don't have to be afraid no matter what the future holds. Fear is not helpful, but wisdom and precautions, they are. Fear is not helpful, but realism and optimism, they are. Fear is not helpful, but faith and love, they are. And when we experience God's love, there is no more room for fear because now we can love God in return and we can love other people the way that God loves them. And in that, we do not need to fear the judgment of God. That's what the text tells us. And we do not need to fear the things of this world. The people in John's day at this church, they must have been afraid about many things, just like we have plenty of things to be afraid of today. But what God wants to reassure you with is this. Perfect love, whole and complete love from God and in God means there is no longer any need to fear. Fear actually shows that we have placed our trust in the things of this world. We have placed our trust in ourselves or in something other than God. And when we know God and when we love God, we don't, we don't fear the things of this world. We don't fear what can happen to us. We actually experience wholeness and completeness with a relationship with our Father in heaven. So, Jason, I'm curious, what happened with your dad in that garage door? So when my dad came home that night, I, I thought I would go ahead and just man up and own this thing. So my dad pulled in the driveway, and I met him there, and I said, Dad, I've got to show you something. And so we walked to the garage, and I flipped on the light, and he saw the garage door. And I was waiting for my dad to yell. I was waiting for my dad to ground me. I was, uh, even as a middle schooler, I was like, man... My dad is going to pull off his belt, and I'm going to get a whipping as a middle school kid right here. Uh, but my dad did something that really shocked and surprised me in that moment. He looked at me, and he said, it's just a garage door, and we'll fix it. And in that moment, when my dad could have met me with punishment, with anger, uh, when I should have gotten the wrath of my father, uh, my father looked at me and showed me love in that moment. And that's really what it is, what John talks about when he says God is love. That everything about our Heavenly Father is wrapped up in this idea that He is the greatest embodiment of love that there has ever been. And every time He interacts with us, His children, in this imperfect world, He always meets us in love. Regardless of what we've done, regardless of our past, regardless of the mess-ups or the failures, he always meets us with these open arms and he says, it's okay, we can fix it. Everything can be made new and whole again because of my love for you. Really, that's a great definition for grace. That's a great definition for forgiveness. And God loves you, he loves us so much that he gave his son Jesus for us. And now we do not need to fear anything. And in return, God is asking, will you love me? Will you love my children? Will you love everyone that you come in contact with? Because when we love like that, 
boy, there is this wholeness, completeness, this satisfaction and fulfillment. We are living life the way God intended for us to and will never go back to the ways before. That's the invitation for us today. Even though we're separated in person from one another, we want you to know that we're available. Our pastoral team, our staff, we're available in the chat. And if you want to talk about what it means to follow Jesus, we would be honored to join you in that conversation. Uh, We would love to have people, even in this season apart, hear the word of God and respond to the word of God by saying, I want to become a Christian. I want to get baptized. I want to do whatever it takes to become the child of God that he intended from the beginning anyway. God sees more in you and me than we could ever imagine. He loves us like a father in heaven, and we get to experience that here in this life and for all of eternity. That's the gift of love, of grace, and forgiveness. If you would, let me pray, and then we'll close out our services this morning. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your great love in Jesus. We pray that you would move in our hearts, that our spirit, that our soul, it would bask in the love that you have for us, that we experienced in Jesus Christ. Thank you for your sacrifice where we didn't deserve it. Thank you that even when we can't get it right, you are righteous on our behalf. Thank you that you give us a chance to bury our past and the old self and to experience new life and resurrection in Jesus Christ. I pray that you would do that, not only in my life again and again, but that you'd do that in the lives of those that are listening and tuning in right now. Thank you for your spirit that connects us. Thank you for your love. And we pray all of these things in the name of Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. And we say, amen. Amen. Thank you again for being with us today. May God bless you, and we'll see you online next week. See you, New Hope.